Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have a great guest with me this morning, for, or this afternoon, rather. If I knew what day it was and I knew what time it was, <laughs> I'd be okay. But it's, listen, I don't edit stuff out. Listen, I, you know, I make mistakes all the time. And it's like, you know, somebody, people ask, like, do you edit stuff out? Nah. Yeah, absolutely not. But I love the glasses. If you're watching on YouTube, I love the glasses that Lee has got on. Dynamic glasses. And so her book that just released is called She Seems So Normal, Shatter the Plastic Princess, Embrace Authentic Faith. And we're going to tell her story in part two of this conversation. But part one, we're going to talk about the book. Part one, we're going to talk about life and things like that with my guest, Lee McKenzie, who joins me on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Lee, how are you? I am fantastic, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Well, I I have listened to a couple of them, and I'm like, dang, dang! You just have the regular <laughs> people's on, and it it just gets me fired up. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you. what you do. Well, listen, as if you're watching on YouTube. It, behind the background there i was noticing like you are you're you're up in a tall building and there were somebody like like moving up in like a uh, like a cargo elevator or something like that yeah yeah i live in chicago and they're okay. um i'm at home but i live on the 16th floor and they're they're literally building a heart rise behind me oh wow and it's actually obscuring my view of the united center which isn't happiness for me but yeah they're they're doing this freight elevator and these people just keep going up and down all day long and it's yeah. I actually sometimes I sometimes watch it for my entertainment. Well, the United you, you so I grew up a I grew up a Bulls fan in the, in the in the Michael Jordan days and things like that. And so now a local connection to here, the Bulls head coach now is a guy named Billy Donovan who coached at Marshall here locally. Oh, wow. That's where he got his coaching start was at Marshall. So he's here for two years. His daughter was actually born in our area. Um, wow. One of his kids were actually was actually born here in West Virginia. So when he coached here at Marshall, so we That's always keep cool. one eye on Billy D and and uh, make sure that that he's doing well. So and in That's fact, cool. one of his assistant coaches at Florida has been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast, guy named Donnie Jones. Yeah. Wow. So well, look at all the, the United Center. Here. Yeah. Well, when you said it wasn't a source of happiness, I was like, well, 
you know, at least you got a good coach, you know. And, I know we have a good coach now. I, I was, I, we used to live here 20 years ago, back in the day of Jordan. And yeah. my husband had tickets to go like from friends and, and associates. And I'm like, let's go. We have to go. He's like, I don't really do basketball, babe. I'm like, see, are you kidding? It's, it's freaking Michael Jordan and Charles yeah. Barkley and like all the dream teams. Got yeah. yeah. So that's my sad story. But I, I actually, when I'm looking the other way, I can see the Cubs field. Wrigley's just like right up the way from me. Oh, so. wow. That I don't know is if you so like cool. baseball, but no, got it so, all so let me ask you this. Let's start here. That's a great place to start for this conversation. So tell me how life has changed in Chicago in the last couple of years, because here I live in little Podunk, West Virginia, of 1.8 million people in the whole state. We saw the pandemic through a different lens. You know, obviously we didn't, you know, we didn't have, you know, you guys have 1.8 million people in a neighborhood in Chicago. We have we have it scattered all over the state. What have you noticed that's changed about your city? in the last couple of years, either good, bad, or indifferent? What 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 have you noticed has changed about yeah. Chicago? That's a really good question because we actually just moved back up here about a year ago. And so I lived here 20 years ago in the golden times of Chicago and everything was great. Um, I would say that going from downstate Illinois to Chicago, I was really surprised coming back here after such a long time. It just was not the city I remembered it being. Um, we've got a lot of really interesting things going on, uh, politically, um, just with all sorts of stuff happening here. And I kept laughing because I kept asking God, why am I here in Chicago now? Like, are you serious? Like I was, I was good where I was before God. Could I like, couldn't I have stayed there? I had friends. I, I mean, I'm 51 years old. My daughter's going to high school here. How is a 51 year old woman going to actually make friends in Chicago? And you have no, like, you, it's not like you have play groups and stuff like that. And I kept laughing about this going, you got to be kidding me, God. And you he's know like, what's, yeah, can okay. I, can I, let me, let me jump in there because yeah. you hit, you hit something, you hit the nail on the head on something. Forgive me for jumping in there and interrupting. No, please. But I don't know what it is about turning 50. I turned 50 in August. I don't know what it is about that magical number of, of 50, <laughs> but things tend to change. Your perspective changes a little bit. You, um, and, and of course it's like, you know, when you turn 50, it's there's celebration and things like that. And don't get me wrong. To me, I, I felt extreme, extremely blessed. I'm like, okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm 50. Yeah. So what big deal? But I also found myself and I, I, you know, I want to get your perspective on this because you're 51, I'm 50. Did your thought process change any when you turn 50? Cause I know for me, I'm starting to think more about legacy in the next 10 years of my life. Success like, to significance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, totally. It's like, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, okay. 10 years from 10 years ago, I was 40. 10 years from now, I'll be 60. So, I mean, what about you, Lee? Did you have any kind of epiphany or a moment like that when you turned 50 last year? Like, because you moved back from downstate Illinois to Chicago and that's yeah. you, you turned 50. So what, I mean, for you, did you have any kind of epiphany or anything like that that you were like, there's some, there's some changes happening in my life and how am I supposed to feel about it? I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but no, no. what take me through that, for you going through that time. 
Yeah, I feel like um, for me, it was like when I turned 50, and I, I, I'm like 50, isn't that like seven times, seven times? And so I kept thinking, this is my year of jubilee, you know, because <laughs> your first year, you know, I didn't count the first year. So I assume like at 50, it's going to be like the year of jubilee. And I thought it's like the blessings upon the blessings. Um, every seven years in the Old Testament, everything like went back to what it was before. Everyone got their old land back. Everything was good every seven years. And so, and the land rested and everything was great. But at the end of seven sevens, it was 49 slash 50. And that was like this huge year of celebration. And like people are, are all excited in the Bible about that. And I, yeah. I just kind of like, but I'm still alive. Like that's so bloody cool yeah. and for me um when, when we get more into the story you'll understand maybe why it was like wow i'm still alive at age 50 and i felt like my mindset changed of let's look at the blessings instead of the curses let's look at the obedience instead of the disobedience um let's look at like i really wanted to start focusing on the more positive instead of like doing the grind yeah. Um, I got off a lot of social media uh, during that time frame when I turned 50 um, because I just was like, I'm, I, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be on a hamster wheel right now. I want to enjoy my family. And honestly, I'm really glad I did because we ended up having like a whole bunch of medical issues with, I, we had multiple diagnoses. We had multiple treatments. We had, my dog had an ACL surgery like it was like all this crazy stuff yeah that ended up happening my husband had a surgery my daughter had a surgery my son had diagnosis it was like it was it was almost like okay it this i gotta keep looking at the blessings we are able to take care of this now if we were somewhere else we maybe not we wouldn't be able to um it wouldn't have been caught we wouldn't have been able to have the surgery and so i think that that was kind of the my brain changed to where are the blessings and how do I move toward blessing and away from the curse? Because there's been a lot of, I feel like there's been a lot of um, hardship and curse and I'm tired of living in the curse. Well, and that's a great point that you made. Where are the blessings mm -hmm. and moving away from the curses? And I, and I was just jotting that down, you know, because if you look at, you, and you, you kind of really in 30 seconds was like, well, this happened and this happened and this happened and my dog tore their ACL. And I'm like, well, you know, th th those are things you, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure. And, and I, again, I want, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm sure you had to think, okay, what's next? Oh, like, yeah. like, like what else is going to happen? And, and I, I think that that is such a Lee, that's such a microcosm for how the last couple of years, the last two and a half years have been. Like, okay, in March of 2020, and, and we, you know, we launched the Intentional Encourager podcast in April of 2020 because we were home. Like, what else were we going to do? Just totally yeah. talk to ourselves and talk to other people <laughs> on Zoom. But um, it, it's kind of like a microcosm for what people around the country were feeling like, what's next? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what, what, what's going to happen now? How do you, let's go here for a second. How did you keep yourself? intentionally encouraged through those situations where it's like okay we're moving we've moved back to chicago we have we've now got this issue and that issue and you know because it's not like moving is not stressful enough 
Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, it's not like moving is not stressful enough. Then you add sickness and, and diagnoses and things on top of that. How did you keep yourself and your family intentionally encouraged? I've been really, really fortunate to have very, very deep roots in scripture. Um, I was a biblical research assistant for megachurch preaching pastors. And so I would delve like eight or 10 hours, you know, when I would do research for any sort of the sermons or put, um, put the sermon series together. And so I had a really deep level of faith and knowledge of the background of tragedies and horrific things that have happened that we see all throughout scripture, right? I mean, it was not a pleasant, happy time most of the time. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise, but if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.carrd.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And so I felt like I identified with a lot of the different Bible characters and was like, oh, dang, like, well, at least I didn't have to do that. Like, I just got through with Absalom, right? Ah! Yeah, Absalom has long hair. Yeah, and he gets caught in that. Yeah, he has long hair and he gets his hair caught in a tree and hangs I would have that problem too, you know? I mean, it would be really a Well, you're 100% right. The scriptures, especially the Old Testament, you get some of the weirdest things Brother. that happen. Like Dude. this like this king goes to the bathroom and somebody stabs him and he doesn't know it and he's he's, he's yeah, in there he and they're so like, fat. "Oh, what? yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, king 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 Ahud." And it was like, "Oh, he must have been in there a long time." And it, and it's like they go to get him out of there and and I'm not trying to be gross, but they go to open the door and he just falls forward cuz he's dead. And nobody dead. knows that he got stabbed to death. Like, you're right. Like, the scriptures, if you look at it, it's like, okay, if if this happened in 2022, how are we explaining this, right? Yeah, oh my gosh. And if you, you want to talk about Absalom, I mean, King David, the whole Amnon, and the, oh, don't even get me started on that whole thing with yeah. sisters and yuck and everything. So I feel like I kind of looked at that and, and really there is no comparative suffering. Let's just go back and say that we're not supposed to compare our suffering with one another, but dang, I was really happy. I was not in the Bible back then because that would have been bad. And, and, and it gives you courage. It gives yeah. you encouragement when you start saying, well, how did they go forward? Well, what moved forward? And then you come into, you know, the book of Matthew and you're like, that's rocking. So. Well, you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> How did people in the scriptures move forward? You know, and and you know, the scripture is great encouragement. There's no doubt about that. But if you read the scripture, 
a lot of times, as you did, a lot of deep study, and I've, I've done as a Sunday school teacher and a minister and things like that, you understand it's like, okay, how does this translate to modern day? Because I don't see people with really long hair getting hanged on in a, in a tree, getting their hair caught in a tree. You've not seen me riding horses well, through the forest. That could be, I mean, but I also didn't, I, I've never gotten speared through. Well, it. yeah, but, but I have, I have really short hair. So, it, but it's, you know, but, but, but again, you think to yourself, we talk about King David, that Absalom was his son. And it's like, okay, well, David was the ultimate encourager, right? And, and now he's got to face this thing, these things like that. You, you mentioned having a deep love and root in the scripture. That's great. And and I, and again, there's nothing better than scripture. There's nothing better than prayer. But a lot of times the Lord says, okay, you've got to encourage yourself in other ways. You've got to, you know, yeah. because we're, we're in this world. We're not of this world, but we're a part of this world. So I, and I tell people all the time, Lee, not to drag this out for a long way. I'm like, you've got to find other ways to encourage yourself. Like you've got to find, you can't oh, yeah. just use one way to encourage yourself. You have to use no, multiple no. ways to encourage yourself. Yeah, because you can't you can't be a professional athlete and not train in multiple different right things. Exa like you've got to do the exactly. sprints, you got to do the long runs, you got to do the building and the body and the strength. You know, you've got to do your like footwork. You know, and you know, for me to answer the rest of the question, I guess yeah, for please you, do go ahead. Is I I I serve. I'm a serve monkey. Um, so I would serve other people. Um, we started a podcast, a girlfriend and I, because we're like. There's got to be other people out there that are like bored out of their head or wondering what to do, or maybe they're just getting really discouraged. And so to be able to read and do the study that I do, but then also exhort and, and help somebody else out or counsel, like not counsel, but have coffee chats with people who are struggling. Or it was, um, I mean, it was, it was hard. It was really, really, really hard because all through the pandemic, I was actually going through trauma therapy. And so I'm trying to like figure out my ish going on left and right. And then I'm also going, we are in a freaking pandemic. Like what is going to happen next to all of us? Um, and I think I reached out to a lot of different people that I knew, particularly online, because I was high level leadership inside of a church. I was married to the chairman of a 17,000 mega church place, but I worked for the leadership. And so I had to reach out outside of my spaces and places yeah, when I was 100%, struggling, 100%. but I wanted the accountability. I wanted people like, if I'm struggling on something, I need to have that accountability, those safe spheres of support. Yeah. And so that was a lot of, I felt like that was how I got through it was having, having those people that like are, is iron sharpening iron or going, calling you out on your ish. Like that doesn't seem right What's well here's like, the thing that in yeah love, in love of course yeah and here's the thing too okay you you bring up a really good point so let's go there for a few minutes it's really hard i believe a lot of times for leaders to reach out to other leaders because you know and and this was a question i asked my pastor one time obviously we don't have seventeen thousand people at our church we've got about a 400 to 500 member congregation and i asked him one time i said okay you check on everybody else because you're very hands-on. Who's checking on you? Who who's checking in on you? And and I and I think you see a lot of times, especially in mega churches, you see the front man. You see the guy or gals, you see the guys and gals on the worship team, you see the guy and gal up there preaching or teaching or whatever. 
I have a cousin in in the mega church here in our area that that is the administrative pastor, and I'm like, dude, how are you keeping all the balls in the air? You know, who's checking on you? Who's mm-hmm. who's who's encouraging you and empower? And and I don't think a lot of times leaders are very proactive in seeking encouragement from other people because preach, they, preach they, they it well, it's not to preach. I, <laughs> totally I'm not, not going to start hacking and go. <laughs> You know, like that. But no, 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 no. no. I love that though. You're you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So in in that vein of of going with the conversation there, how hard did you find it to find other people that you could talk to and keep the anonymity? Because I think that's I believe that's the biggest fear for leaders is if I talk to somebody, I'm gonna be perceived as weak. If I plug in to somebody else and my congregation finds out about it, I'm going to be perceived as not able to handle things like this. Um, how did you keep that? Be- and, and here's the thing. Forgive me for a long-winded answer, but you were talking about social media and kind of divorcing yourself. We have a, a bad problem in this country, and, and I believe globally in our society, of as my parents say, don't tell everything. As my parents said, don't tell everything you know, right? And so we have it. We have this this rant mentality or this this dump mentality where we just you know, I just got to vent. Somebody just did me wrong. I got to vent. I'm using my my hillbilly here. But totally. again, how do you keep your anonymity yet plugging into somebody that you feel is a safe space for you to talk about some things you're going through? Yeah, I think that's a it's a brilliant question for leadership in particular. I was always the I I did pastoral support and care for many years before I was doing the biblical um, research assistant, and I I was I was the handler, so I was the one in the green room when the leaders were losing their ish. I was the one in the green room when the worship something failed. I was the one in the room, and to have people that are safe like me. Um, I look for people who are safe like me, I guess. Um, and the way you find those kinds of things, and it's hard, especially when you are top leadership. I really truly believe the higher up in influence, the higher up you go in the level of influence and leadership that you have, the harder it is to be accountable. We've watched the Titans fall in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. like not, I'm not just talking like trip it. I'm talking like tumble. I'm talking like the pillars fell and they have no more ministry. Their ministry is gone. And that was because there, they, there wasn't a safe space for them. They did not yeah. curate and they did not create a safe space. And whether or not, and that's a whole subject of another book that I'm writing, but it's like, if you're not curating and creating safe spaces for messy and not like we want to hear the preachers, all their vomit, you know, all the bad, whatever that they're going through, but, they need somewhere that they can have safe spaces that they can be honest and accountable and find that. And it, I think it's tremendously difficult for leadership and particularly mm-hmm. if you're female in leadership or around in that, that scarcity, mm-hmm. the scarcity complex is a, is a real deal because there are people on the ladder down below you that want to pull you down. And I wish we didn't have that yeah. mind thought here, particularly inside the church. But the whole male, the male bonding, like that whole, I got to be strong. I got to be strong. You know, Jesus and John Wayne thing. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a positive 
thing for our leaders to have because then they become isolated and even worse, their wives are isolated. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage podcast. because then they become isolated and even worse, their wives are isolated. My biggest concern inside of almost any church that I, that I look at with leaders is how is the spouse doing? Yeah. Because great usually the dude, usually the, if you have a male preacher, they got like their bros, you know, their bromies and all that kind of stuff. But who does she have? Because she really can't, she ha- she does not have the right to even have an opinion about what happened on Sunday. Like she's not, she's never going to be able to satisfy everybody if she defends her husband or, or if he defends his wife or, you know, if he or she goes to the, to, to the, um, the, the pastorate, you're never, you can never be in the right space. And so the scary thing for me also is when the spouses become islands, that's scary because your church is only as strong as the weakest link in leadership. Well, uh, and, and, and here's scary. the thing. Well, you're, you're 100% right. And here's where my mind goes, okay? A leader, l- let's take the church out. Of it. Let's, 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 let's move to, to just for, for leadership else, yeah. business or things like that. No, it, what I'm saying is maybe there's a leader listening right now that they're saying, mm. well, what about me? I run a company or I'm in leadership in this or that. And I, I, I see this that there are a lot of times when leaders don't have a good sounding board that they can go to, or they have to wrestle with decisions that have to be made, or they can't even tell their spouse because of confidentiality right. what what they're dealing with and, and what somebody laid on them. And, and so let's jump back to, to pastors for a minute as well, too. My, my dad was a pastor the last three and a half years of his life. And, you know, again, he was like, man, I did not realize the, the amount of stuff I have to deal with. And, and, and again, just knowing that a little bit, you feel for people, Lee, because they, they, they have a lot of times pastors bring things home and they're sitting in reflective thought. And, and their wife, you know, if you're a male pastor or, or, you know, husband for female and things like that. And they go, I'd love to tell you, I would love to get, I would love to just get this off my chest, but I can't because it's, it's, it's confidential, you know, or maybe, um, a, a, a pastor team, you know, husband, they're, they're husband and wife 
that pastor together. And it's hard. What I would ask you is, seeing what you saw, what did some of the best leaders do to help themselves, encourage themselves, compartmentalize, if you will, those times where they were dealing with heavy things internally, but they they didn't show it externally. Am I making sense there with that question? Yeah, I think I I, I think I'm getting I, my my thought on that is it's it's really hard. I didn't see a whole. It, I love I love where I've come from. I love my people, but to have permission to seek help whether it's getting a counselor or a therapist that is like a professional. Um, I know that there were different, um, like especially for the highest level of leadership for um, the wives, they had outside, like literally outside the state. <laughs> they had to go outside the state. They would meet at a conference um, and they would become friends. I know my girl Allison did this and she would, that's how she would have it because you, if you're a mega church in three different states, um, there's it, that could not be good if somebody's fighting for the battleground that you're not that we should ever be fighting like that, but yeah. that there would be that competition or something. And so she would, she actually had friends that were like, you know, on the coasts because we're Midwest. And she would, that's those are the people that she would go to. And she used to go to me. Um, I used to be that person for her until my husband became an elder and became her husband's boss, I guess. That's yeah. what. And so then it like the dynamics get wonky donkey. Well, how but, do you take a vacation? How do you do this simple? Because here's the thing. Yeah. Okay. And, and I have some, some friends of mine that um, had a reality TV show at one time, very popular reality TV show. And I asked him one time, I said, man, I said, how does your family just do simple things and he said well at home it's not a big deal because everybody's known us forever it's when we travel it's when we oh go on gosh, vacation yeah. it's oh, it's yeah. when we do other things that people bombard you and, and what's happened is lee is that you know we've got those people that are mega church pastors that are instantly recognizable Right. And I don't need to, to name the names. You you know who I'm talking about. I would say names and, and you know it immediately who I'm talking about. How do they vacation? How do they do the simple things? Because, you know, the Bible says too much is given, much is required. Right. And so it, it's a real, man, I'm so glad we've gone here because <laughs> for leaders, oh, we've got leaders. to be able to, you know, leaders have got to be able to have those outlets to be able to go, hey, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. Right. Something's not right. And you're right. We've had leaders in in all different walks of life that mm. have resigned their positions. They've been caught doing things that they right. shouldn't have done and things like that. You know, from let's transition real quick to your book. Okay. Mm. Sure. Yeah, let's transit. That, that, it, this is a good transition. She seems so normal. They mm -hmm. seem so normal. They seem like they have everything going on. What's the one thing in in your book? What's the one thing that when people get it, 
that will surprise them about your book? I know that most of the people who actually knew me at the church, when they found out I wrote this book and what it's about, they were like, holy cow, I thought you were perfect. Like, I thought you knew everything. You had your stuff together. Like, the stories I tell inside of the book, people would be like, are you kidding me? They let you actually inside the church. Um, it's it's really funny in that sense. I think that's what people are going to look at the, at the book and go, especially if you're looking at me right now. I mean, you'd be like, oh, she seems like such a normal woman. And it it looks like I grew up in church. It looks like I have this fabulous family and everything's great. And I have a beautiful life and I'm, you know, beautiful husband and great kids. And we've adopted from Africa, like all the blah, blah, blah stories. And, but that's like, I think the hardest part is that everybody has their ish. Everybody does. And the hardest part about having the ish is if you're not going to be authentic and transparent about it somewhere, it's going to come out sideways. And, and that's just, I don't know, I think that's the thing with the, with the book that it's going to be like, I have been behind the scenes. I have handled, I have handled big name people behind the scenes, the speakers that came to, um, to our church. And you know, I dressed them, I did their face and hair and made sure they looked good, made sure they sounded good, made sure their whatever in the sermon was great. And they are just real people. They are just real people just because they have a mic and they have spotlighted and they are on the stage or they are doing worship. And I've done that too. Just because they're like that, they are just like you and me. They put their pants on one at a time. They have troubles with their kids. They had a fight with their wife or their husband. I mean, there are issues, lots of issues behind the scenes. But we have this like almost like platforming thing that we want to just put them on the platform. When yeah. you put someone on the pedestal, when it gets kicked out, there's a mighty freaking fall. And I think for a lot of leadership, it's really hard because they know people are pedestaling. You're not allowed to have a bad day at Village Inn when you're going for breakfast because everybody knows you. And I think that's, uh, maybe it's the culture when we idolize that idea of idolization. You know, we're idolizing, we're putting people up. They're, oh, this and all that, and they're so fabulous. And they seem so perfect. And their Instagram and their, you know, Twitter and their what, let's not talk about Twitter, but whatever it is that they have out there is like so amazing. Their TikTok is fabulous. Those are, those are filters, people. Why, why can't, why do we think that this is actually what it is? It's not. I, there's there's a filter on, on, on the camera right now. So like, do I really actually look like this? Actually, I don't. I'm just joking. But we have that idolization. It's that idolization in the culture of our of our of our environments, and we love to put it out there. And so then there's no room for failures. There's or it feels like there's no room for failures. Or you're canceled one day because you did this, and everybody's watching. I yeah. think that's the hardest part, and that's part of the reason I stepped away from from social media is because everyone was watching and I was getting bigger and I was like, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't keep doing this. Well, I think the biggest thing for leaders, the biggest fear that I see with leaders and I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking the biggest fear that I see for leaders is being authentic. And because they're authentic, people go, well, that's a, that offends me. So I'm going to cancel you. Right. And, and, and I don't think, that people today understand that people buy authenticity. That's one thing that people buy in, in connecting to other people is they buy authenticity. 
there's t- there's too many fakes out there. Ugh. People are going, well, crap. Why do I want another fake? But if you're true, if you're a hundred percent authentic, then to your point, Lee, you risk getting canceled. And so it's it's incredible. We could go on for a Ugh, long time, brother. <laughs> I, I want to save this part. I want to save your story for part two of our conversation. But quickly tell folks that again. I want to remind them where they can get your book, how they can get in contact with you. Um, the name of the book is She Seems So Normal, Shattered the Plastic Princess, Embrace Authentic Faith. Where can they get that? How they, can they connect to you and find you on your different platforms? Sure. Thank you for asking. Um, you can find uh, the book on Amazon, She Seems So Normal by Lee McKenzie. Um, you can find me. Uh, you can also find it on Barnes & Noble and Christian Books as well. But um you can find me on Instagram at XOXO Lee McKenzie and on Facebook, Lee McKenzie. And apparently a friend is like, you got to be on TikTok, but I don't know if that's going to end up happening. Um, my website is www.leemckenzie.com, but it's really hard to spell, which is, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. <laughs> so look in the show notes. <laughs> I will spell it out for you right now. <laughs> Go to www.leemckenzie, L-E-I-G-H-M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, leemckenzie.com. Go to XOXO, Lee, L-E-I-G-H, McKenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, on Instagram, find her on Facebook. And, and the I, podcast probably too. I, I just totally yeah, please Yeah, tell them about the podcast. <laughs> podcast is a uh, five five to seven minutes of narration from the book and it is she seems so normal and it'll contain things in there that aren't actually in the book like interviews with the people that were there um yeah so come join us we'd and love the, to have these conversations and the <laughs> she seems so normal podcast there you go lee what a dynamite pleasure it's been to have you and again i'm looking forward to the second part of our conversation thank you for joining me on the intentional courage podcast it's my honor thank you so much ryan My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.